Do the Baltimore Ravens need to make a trade, or is the roster already perfectly set as is? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for being here and tuning in, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day, whether you're here with us in audio form or video form, we're free and available on all podcasting platforms. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are a five day a week Ravens podcast. So Monday through Friday, we got you covered with Ravens news, analysis, updates. We do live shows after every Ravens game. It'll be happening again this Sunday on the West Coast as the Ravens will be playing the Arizona Cardinals in Week Eight. And also, we go live after big news, which could be happening as the trade deadline continues to creep closer and closer now under one week. And we're going to continue talking along that train of thought today. I know I've been kind of doing a bunch of trade shows recently, but I think it's important to talk about it because, again, we're, we're going to be done with it after Tuesday, whether the Ravens make a move or not. I think it's important to take a couple of different angles and a couple of big angles on that. So today, I want to talk about the need for the Ravens to make a trade. Do they actually need to make one? And there are a couple of different angles we can take with that angle you know it's the angle inside the angle so we'll talk about that in the first part of the show then we'll look more into if Baltimore has the perfect roster right now and whether that could mean a move is on the horizon whether it be a signing or a trade and then we'll just wrap up the Ravens and Lions matchup I know you know we're on to week eight right but I, I want to touch on a couple more points from that game so again we're here for you five days a week on Lockdown Ravens thank you so much for tuning in let's get into the content here today though and we'll start with the Ravens if they need to make a trade or not. Now, the Ravens under Eric DeCosta, and especially recently, even dating back, I think with Baltimore, you can even look to like the Ty Montgomery move they made in 2018, which was before Eric DeCosta's first full season as the Ravens general manager. He took over that 2019 was his first offseason. But the Ravens have made trades in the Eric DeCosta era for Marcus Peters and Clayus Campbell. And Campbell isn't a trade deadline guy, but at or near the trade deadline, it's been Marcus Peters. It's been Yannick Ngakwe. Obviously, the big one last year was Roquan Smith. There have been a couple others as well. Baltimore has been aggressive. Eric DaCosta has been aggressive at the trade deadline. Now, I don't think that means that he's making moves just to make a move, just to add somebody. But when there has been a need, Eric DaCosta has gone and he's added somebody. Now, an interesting part of this conversation, I think, last year and also this year, is when we were having these conversations last year about who should the Ravens trade for, what position should the Ravens trade for, a lot of the conversation was around wide receiver because of the injury situation there and just the pure lack of depth. So Brandon Cooks was a name that was brought up a lot. There are a couple of other mid to low tier players because at that point, I think the bar was so low in the Ravens offense that it's just like, get somebody else in here, some type of veteran. And we had kind of floated on this show, other people had to, the idea of an inside linebacker like a Roquan Smith or maybe a cornerback or a safety. But the Ravens go and get Roquan Smith, who I think in terms of the player, 
you, you go for player over need in that situation where did the Ravens need to trade for Roquan Smith last year? Inside linebacker was not a big, big need for them because they already had Patrick Queen, who was already ascending before Roquan got there. Roquan obviously helped, but Queen was already doing his own thing. You had Malik Harrison. You had a couple other guys. You know, Smith gives you this element. Like, Smith is a really good player, and the trade for him was a slam dunk home run, right? It was a great move for them. But this year, when you're looking at kind of what the Ravens could do to replicate that, I know we're looking at the roster right now with a couple of needs. We talk about edge and corner a lot. We've definitely highlighted those on the show recently. But wide receiver and running back are those two where do the Ravens need to add a running back? Do the Ravens need to add a wide receiver? They don't, right? But maybe the Ravens see a player that they feel like can be a fit. And while it's not necessarily the Ravens are in such a bad spot where they have to add any certain positional player, they might just say, look, the player fit is too good. It's not a huge package that they have to give up for them. Maybe that's the move that they make. So with the Ravens being five and two, they're atop the AFC North right now. The big conversation is, do they need to make a trade? Do they have to feel like, oh, well, they're not going to win a Super Bowl if they don't make a move? I think the Ravens roster constructed as is right now is enough to win a Super Bowl, but you want to give yourself the best chance. And the best chance would be if there's a player that can improve a positional group, give you more depth, and the package isn't too crazy, you know, I, I think that's something you at least have to seriously consider. I don't think the Ravens are in a position like some teams are where they're in such a bad spot at any one or even multiple positional groups where they're going to have to look at multiple positions and look at multiple players and kind of take the best thing they can get. This should be where the Ravens are negotiating from a position of power, where the Ravens are looking at the trade market from a position of power. Because if you kind of go up and down the roster, which we'll do a little bit more in the second part of the show here coming up in just a few minutes, we'll do that. And when we kind of combine these two segments and combine these two thought processes of do the Ravens need to make a trade versus what does their roster look like, the angle is, well, if Baltimore plays the way they did against Detroit for the rest of the season, that's a Super Bowl winning team right there, at least a very tough Super Bowl contender. But obviously, every game is not going to be like Week 7. There are still going to be the ups and downs of a season. Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, Patrick Queen, everybody on that team made it very clear that that Week 7 game was just a regular season game. And that's what it was. So if you have the opportunity, and it depends because there are there are varying categories of what moves the Ravens could make, whether they perform a big splash. You know, we've talked about those names, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Brian Burns, Neil Hunter, Pat Sertan, right? All of those names would be classified as big splashes. Like they would be put into that category. Then you have like the mid-tier because the, the, the big ones would obviously cost a high draft pick. But then you look at the mid-tier trades, which would cost a mid-round pick, maybe a Dante Jackson or a Chase Young, a Derek Barnett, Jerry Judy, Zach Moss maybe, but maybe Moss falls into the low-tier category, like the small splash move, which would maybe be a Moss or uh, I don't know who other players would be in that category. Rasul Douglas maybe would be a mid-to-low-tier guy. They have options, and with the Ravens' philosophy, it depends on what they view their window as. Because with the trade deadline – the angle inside the angle, which I tease at the top of the show, is that the trade deadline teams have to maneuver a couple of thought processes. And one of the big thought processes, and one that I always find extremely interesting is the moves happen throughout the course of trade deadline week, trade deadline day, 
is the rental versus long-term future of these players. Because if you trade for a guy who's on a one-year contract or you have to sign him to an extension in a year or two, or teams trading for those guys to be a rental to say, hey, you know what? We, we really think we can win this this year, but we're not going to be able to pay after this season. So come in here, let's win this thing. And then, you know, you can be on your way and go get your money. Or is it, well, we think you're a long-term part of our future. Let's go out there, get this thing done and continue this partnership long-term. Obviously, when you make a bigger move, like giving up multiple first round picks or multiple high level picks, I should say, like Roquan Smith, for example, that second and a fifth, the Ravens historically don't really get involved in those high tier level, given up high draft capital moves, but the Ravens did it. And it made sense at the time to extend Roquan. So you don't necessarily waste that pick. Now I, I know the compensatory formula plays a part in it, right? Where if a guy walks, you still get, you know, in Roquan's case would have been a third with that contract. He got obviously when the Ravens let Yanni Kingakwe walk, that was a rental situation. It was almost like a feel it out process, right? It's, it's the feel it out process. I think Spencer Schultz, friend of the show, made this point on, on Twitter either yesterday or the other day. I can't remember when, but he's not as opposed to at least what he said was he's not as opposed to the rental aspect or he's intrigued by it at least because of the fact that it's just a feel it out process. And I agree with that point of view. I agree with the point of view that it can be a feel out rental process. And if you're trading a third round pick for a guy, it doesn't work out. You get a fourth back, but you get half a year of a player for a round downgrade. And obviously you don't want to downgrade all your picks, but it is interesting because if the Ravens were to trade for a Saquon Barkley or a Derrick Henry or a Devontae Adams or a Pat Sertan or Brian Burns or whoever that big splash would be, I think it would hurt a little bit, especially if you're giving up like multiple firsts to see that guy walk and you only get back a third. But in the case of Roquan, since it was a second, they would have gotten a third back and he would have said, all right, well, the, obviously you're losing a great player in Roquan. That would have been disaster if it were to happen. The Ravens would have let him walk, but you would have gotten a third round pick back. So I would, I would assume that the Ravens would want to make these guys they trade for parts of their long-term future. They, they did it with Marcus Peters. They did it with Roquan Smith. Obviously, Ngakwe didn't work out. Ty Montgomery was, I don't think, ever going to be a part of that long-term future. Clayus Campbell, they traded for him in the offseason, made him a part of that long-term future too. So that's an intriguing part of this whole trade deadline situation to me. But I think the Ravens are good enough right now, or at least we, we saw that flash or you could make an argument, sure, maybe a running back would, would do them well, maybe a wide receiver, maybe a corner, maybe an edge. I don't think there's a need. Like, there's not an urgency for them to say, we're going to be in a terrible spot if we don't make a trade because we're in a terrible spot at this one position. I think they can negotiate and look at the trade market from a position of power, as I said. So the absolute need to make a trade in terms of they have to because it's going to be not good if they don't. I don't think they're at that point. but. If there's, a, if there's a player that would fit their roster and the package wouldn't be too crazy, I think they should definitely look into it for sure. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll continue this conversation by looking up and down the Ravens roster and talking about if they have the perfect roster, if they could still add to it. So we should have stayed tuned for that. We are back here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And there have been so many times when I've had frustrating ticket buying experiences. Sometimes I wasn't sure if the seats were good. Sometimes I couldn't even find last minute tickets. And sometimes there were just no good deals, but you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fastest and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time definitely takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, which is one of their many 
great features and in the Baltimore area Baltimore's going to play Arizona in week eight NFL wise the Orioles were obviously done the World Series between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks coming up but there are plenty of concerts in the Baltimore area plus you can get some tickets for the Ravens week nine game against the Seattle Seahawks, which is at M&T Bank Stadium. Plus again, game time has last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. It's also very easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have views from all the seats in the specific venue you're looking at. Plus they have a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive, which is great. Plus they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets with zone deals. You pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings in the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less game time, will credit you 110% of that difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time down the game time app, create an account and use code lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem code lockdown NFL spelled L O C K E D O N NFL for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allshaker still talking with you here on this midweek edition episode. Thank you so much for being here. The day after the Nuggets ring night, I'm a big Denver Nuggets guy. The Nuggets got their rings. They uh, they raised the banner up, and they beat the Los Angeles Lakers. So with trifecta, I got, obviously, I got to rep the Nuggets. I got the shirt on, so you can see that if you're watching on YouTube. I, I always got to represent. And it was cool. Hopefully, we'll get a Ravens ring night, or I guess it, they don't do the night, but they do the whole, you know, during the offseason, they have this the ceremony and a nice event where they get their rings. But the Nuggets rings were awesome. And the Ravens, obviously, they have a couple of really cool rings themselves. But hopefully they can make it three. And part of that is what their roster will give them come December, January, and hopefully February. And a part of that is what that roster will look like. With the trade deadline coming up less than a week. It happens on Halloween it's going to be a big question as to what the Ravens do there. There are opportunities for them to improve their roster, but I want to talk about if the Ravens have the perfect roster. And I don't mean in the sense that they have an all pro at, you know, every single position. I think that's very unrealistic. In fact, that is impossible to have, but I think that when you look at a perfect roster for an NFL team, you look at depth, you look at stars, you look at young talent, you look at veteran talent up and down, I think the Ravens have one of the best rosters in the league. And just, I mean, going through it quickly here, we, we can look at practice squad guys, but we'll, we'll focus on just the regular roster for the most part here. Quarterback is one where obviously you're not looking at a trade. Lamar, Tyler Huntley, Josh Johnson are your three in, in that set. Running back is an interesting one, though, and we've kind of talked about this with Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Keaton Mitchell. Now, Mitchell, John Harbaugh gave an update on him on Monday. Doesn't seem like he'll play this week. I know Harbaugh said it was kind of like a week-to-week -week thing. So we'll see with him. But I think Mitchell has an opportunity, especially with some of the touches we saw. You know, the touches in the preseason and the big one in the regular season, his first one against the Lions last week. He has the potential to be an X-factor for them. But again, what if Mitchell goes down with a longer-term injury? What if Gus Edwards has to miss time? Justice Hill. I think, for me, if you're trading for a Saquon or if you're trading for a Derrick Henry you understand that you're paying a running back a lot of money regardless of whether it's Henry on his deal or Barkley when he signs one. I think Zach Moss would be a realistic option for them. Now, I know the Colts probably like that one-two punch with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss there, but maybe they'd say, you know what, well, if we can get a fourth or a fifth form, Baltimore could be a team that maybe makes a move for a, a lesser tier running back. Now, Derrick Henry in this Ravens offense would be awesome. Like, <laughs> I would I would love Derrick Henry in this Ravens offense. Saquon would be awesome too. Like those two with Lamar, 
what we talked about unstoppable trades yesterday, those two would make the Ravens offense, I think, pretty close to unstoppable, if not unstoppable. But I think that with the Ravens, what they have now, if we were to just not touch this roster, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell, I think is good enough to get you through, especially with the way Justice Hill has performed pretty much all season. I know people have had kind of mixed reviews of Gus Edwards, but I think he's been fine this year. Then Mitchell being that X factor. But again, if Henry or Saquon, Saquon would come into Baltimore, they'd become Baltimore's best running back. So I get that. Wide receiver wise, you have Odo Beckham, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, Nelson Aguilar, right? You you have a couple of practice squad options too. But with the way that Zay Flowers has played this year, Odell looked really good against the Lions. Rashad Bateman made a couple plays. Again, if you add Devontae Adams to this, he's your best wide receiver by far. But I think that if you don't touch the roster, this group is probably good enough if Zay continues his projected totals and, and what he's lined up for this year with what he's done so far. Plus, if Odell can give you just a little more and if Rashad Bateman can pull it together, I think Nelson Aguilar is one of the best complimentary wide receivers in this league right now. Devin DuVernay hasn't really had a ton of offensive reps, but as a fifth wide receiver, I mean, he'll take that. Baltimore's roster there, those first three positions, I, th I think are fine, but running back and wide receiver would be the two offensive positions that I would maybe look at to make a trade for if you do that. Tight end, you're good there. Mark Andrews as a likely Charlie Kohler. That's all right. Patrick Ricard at the fullback, you're good there. Offensive line-wise, Ronnie Stanley, John Simpson, Tyra Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, Morgan Moses is your five. You've kind of had some struggles with each of those guys a little bit, but then they bounce back in a huge way in week seven. They looked really good. The backups, Patrick McCarry, Ben Cleveland, Daniel Falele, Sam Mustafer, Salah also. You have solid depth there. And again, as I've kind of talked about multiple times on the show, teams are just not really looking to give up that depth right now on the offensive line. Like you're just, you're not doing that because every team needs offensive line depth, including yourself. So if you're a team looking to give up an offensive lineman, you must have five all pros or multiple all pros. Because again, I, I posed this question it, for those listening, for those watching, what would you want to get back for Patrick McCarry, who doesn't start for the Ravens, right? He doesn't start, but he, he fills in when guys are injured. What would you want to get back for Patrick McCarry? Would probably have to be some decent compensation considering what he means to the team and his level of play when he has to be on the field because of an injury. It's that injury insurance and a lot of other teams view their offensive line depth that way too. Defensively, Justin Matabike, Michael Pierce, Brodsk, Washington, Travis Jones, Brent Urban on the interior there. Those guys have been awesome. I know there have been some rumblings about Nanamik and Sue and whether he'd come in. We'll, I guess, see if that happens. Whether he, he said that the Ravens and him had a conversation last week and he definitely seemed interested, saying he likes the defense, whether to play with guys like Calvin, Noy, and Lamar, et cetera, Roquan Smith. But I think they're good on the interior. Outside linebacker-wise, Adafi Owe, Tavius Robinson, Jeremiah Moon is there. Obviously, you got the, the new signing, Jadavion Clowney, Calvin, Noy. But then you have the interesting part of this where David Ajabo and Ty Spouser, I think Baltimore's outside linebacker group, their edge group, is really good. You could maybe add a Brian Burns to that. You could add a Daniel Hunter to that. That would Those guys would, again, be the best pass rushers on the Ravens right now. But Clowney's playing so much better than so many people thought he would. Kyle Van Noy, same thing. You just got it off a way back. Ajabo and Bowser, hopefully you get back soon. So I get maybe if, you know, Chase Young comes in or Derek Barnett, one of those mid-tier guys, a high-tier guy would be great, like a, a Brian Burns or a Daniel Hunter. But I think their room has performed really well this season and has exceeded expectations. 
Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Lake Harrison, Trenton Simpson, Delshawn Phillips is a really good inside linebacker group. You're not really touching that. Corner-wise is interesting. Marlon Humphrey is obviously your number one. Brandon Stevens has stepped up in a huge way as your number two. Then you have Martha Millette playing really good slot right now. You have depth pieces like Ronald Darby, Rakyasin, Kevon Seymour, Jalen Armour Davies. You still have Pepe Williams waiting to come back from IR. I don't know when that will be. Our Darius Washington, maybe he'll come back as well. They're pretty solid at corner, but what if Stevens goes down? What if Humphrey has to miss some more time? That's where I think that outside of Humphrey and Stevens, there are a couple of questions in terms of outside corner if they were to miss one of those guys. So I'd be curious to see if the Ravens want to make a move for a Pat Sertan. I know Denver said they wouldn't trade him. I understand those are those rumors are there. But a Dante Jackson, who I think would fit in really well, it's like a third corner. You know, you can rotate him in. Like, I, I'd love that move for them. Safety-wise, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone, Daryl Worley's on IR right now, but I guess he'd slot in as kind of your fourth guy. Safety would be an interesting one. I know Kevon Wallace just got cut by the Cardinals. Maybe the Ravens bring him in. That They have a couple of guys on their practice squad that are waiting in the wings safety-wise as well and who they call up on game days. But safety is maybe an underrated one for me where it's not about the play of their guys. Like Kyle Hamilton's played great. Marcus Williams, when he's on the field, has played great. Geno Stone has played great. But it's just about the depth. Maybe they trade for a depth safety and that would who can also have some corner versatility. Maybe that's what they do. Obviously, special teams is not a concern. Justin Tucker, Jordan Stout, and Tyler Ott, they're good there. So do the Ravens have the perfect roster? Again, if you're judging perfect by Pro Bowl, like every guy's a Pro Bowler or an All-Pro, obviously that's not going to be what happens, right? But I think it can be pretty much as close as you can get for the most part with the production. If guys' production starts to go down, obviously it's a different story, but I feel a lot better. I'm not going to dub them to have a perfect roster. I think they could definitely make moves to improve it and get better as every team can. It's not just a Ravens thing, but I think they're in a good situation with their roster to the point, again, tying it back into the first segment, but they don't have to make a trade. It's not a necessity for them to do that. If they don't want to, if they want to roll with their guys and maybe make a signing or two late in the season, I think they're good enough to do that and still have a very good shot at competing for a Super Bowl come January and February. But coming up in the final segment, we'll put a bow on the Ravens at week seven matchup with the Lions and also look ahead to the Arizona Cardinals. So be sure to stay tuned for that. So a lot to get to on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stage wager for your small business. When you be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs have to find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I've had a ton of success over on LinkedIn, whether it's finding jobs or things to send to my friends, my family over there. LinkedIn is great. Plus, it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job with a pro hashtag hiring frame your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates just right skills and experiences. So you can quickly prioritize who would like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's also really important to both start and end the year strong. The right team member could be able to help you do that. That's why small business rate LinkedIn Jobs number one is delivering quality hires with leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, if you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster, push your job before you at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to push your job before you tempt conditions apply. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun so many have happening up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is like two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks is super simple to play, too. You can make your picks over there and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And this week on Prize Picks, maybe with the Ravens traveling to Arizona, you want to pick Lamar Jackson to go for more than his projected yard total. Or Zay Flowers to go for more than his projected yard total. Or maybe Odo Beckham Jr. 
go for more than his projected touchdown total. So many options over on Price Picks. Plus, Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, which means each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts like player projections of 25% to provide even more value. And with the Price Picks reboot policy, this is really cool. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games, college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who's exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Go to pricepicks.com slash Locked on NFL and use code Locked on NFL for a personal bonus match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash Locked on NFL. Use code Locked on NFL for a personal bonus match up to $100. Pricepicks, the fantasy sports made easy. We are back rounding out our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshager still talking with you here on this Wednesday. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, making Locked on Ravens your first destination every day. Be sure to subscribe here on YouTube or follow along here in audio form wherever you're listening on your favorite podcast provider. Five day a week Ravens content always. This is. We just got into my 1,100th episode. That was on Friday. It was the Anquan Bolden exclusive interview. You can go check that out. We had three former Ravens wide receivers on the show last week, and we're continuing to grind out that content. So thank you for all the support. I really, truly do appreciate it. Let, let's put a bow on the Ravens-Lions game. It was a fun game. It's really fun to talk about too, right? <laughs> Ravens win 38-6 to in a game that, again, was a really good testing point for both teams. I think we saw a lot. And a lot of people were wondering whether the Ravens offense was going to show up. We had seen them not put together a full 60-minute performance all season, essentially. I guess, I guess the closest thing you could probably say was Cincinnati in week two or Cleveland in week four, depending on what you think about those games. But Baltimore from the opening jump, the tip, I guess, the, the in, in honor of the Nuggets, the opening tip. The Ravens got out to a huge lead. The game was over in the second quarter. Lamar Jackson was dialed in. The offensive line was dialed in. Odell, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews making plays. Gus Edwards, Patrick Ricard, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell. Everybody on offense got involved. It was a truly all-around group effort to the tune of, you know, just some incredible stats. Lamar Jackson goes for over 350 passing yards, has four total touchdowns on the day. It was one of the best games I think Lamar has ever played in his career for, for multiple reasons. I don't know if – I know the Miami game is up there. The Colts game in 2021 is up there too. But this was just domination. Very close to a perfect passer rating, quarterback rating, 95 for him. The Ravens compared to the Lions. We'll, we'll get into a couple of team stats we've talked about before. 9.1 yards per play for the Ravens compared to 4.7 for Detroit. The defense for Baltimore balled out as well. And it was, it was a game that you could kind of just sit back, relax, and watch the domination after a Ravens team had not really given fans the opportunity to do a whole lot of relaxing this season so far. So I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. But again, as I talked about earlier in the show, the Ravens are not content with this performance. Because you 38-6, to six, you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, they dominated. They're going to be super happy. Lamar didn't look happy. Patrick Queen talked extensively about how the Ravens were really mad they didn't get the shutout. They, they were not content with winning 38-6. to six. They want perfection. They want every game to look like this, but better. And you're thinking, well, what can you do better? It was such a good game for them. There are still a couple of things they can work on. And that, to me, that mindset is the correct mindset to have. You can't get too high after when you can't get too low after a loss, regardless of how good the win is or how bad the loss is. You got to be able to stay even keeled throughout the entire season. And Baltimore, I think, has done a pretty good job of that. But this was by far the best display of that. Baltimore's a team that is motivated. Lamar Jackson, all he wants to do, all Lamar wants to do is win a Super Bowl. 
He wants to bring a Super Bowl back to the city of Baltimore. He wants to win it for his teammates. He is somebody where that means so much to him. And part of that is a road to perfection. And in this game, there were a couple of throws Lamar missed. And he was, it was more so, you know, he wasn't really hung up on the plays he made. He was hung up on the plays he didn't make. I know there was, I think, a weird throw to Zay Flowers. I think another one to Odell. There were a couple weird ones. And I know late in the game when the Ravens, again, it was so out of, the game was out of hand at that point. But the Ravens defense allows a touchdown to Jameer Gibbs. And they were really upset about it. So this was a game that I think we saw everybody contribute. Geno Stone with another interception. He leads the league. Kyle Van Noy with two sacks against his former team he played for. Early in his career, Arthur Millette has looked incredible. Jadavian Clowney, a solid game for him, although he didn't show up on the box score necessarily. But he, he was providing pressure as well. And credit to the coaching staff. They had their guys ready to play on Sunday. And I've criticized them for not having their guys ready to play. I'm going to criticize them when they don't, and I'm going to praise them when they do. And, th- and this is an opportunity for me to praise them because they definitely did have their players ready. And now you look ahead to the Arizona game. It's about that. Again, you can't get too high, can't get too low. The Cardinals are a one in six football team. They have not been great this year, but I think that they've been a little better than I thought. Like their games haven't been blowouts every single time. I don't expect to see Kyler Murray this week if I'm the Ravens, but you're going to see Marquise Brown, who is uh, your former first round pick. So that's a storyline in itself. The Cardinals defense has not been great. Obviously, they they have some pieces to work with, but James Conner is on IR. This should be a game the Ravens take care of pretty handily, but we've said that before. The Ravens are a team that plays up and down the competition sometimes, as does every team. Again, it's not just a Ravens thing, but they have to be wary of a trap game. I think that when you talk about pure trap games, like I think the Rams later in the season is more of that because I think they have a bunch of stars and are playing honestly a lot better than I thought they would be the Cardinals are a team that I think just super banged up right now in at some positions they're young and a lot of others and while they still have leaders like Buda Baker and a couple others as well I'm just not sold that they're going to put up so much of a fight and again I don't want to jinx it I'm actually I'm a big jinx guy so I'm not going to go out and say oh yeah the Ravens win by 30 not going to do that because I know what that brings but when you look at these two teams on paper, the Ravens are the much better one, but obviously the game gets played on the field, not on paper. So they're going to have to continue their momentum. If it's a loss to the Cardinals in week eight, that's pretty disastrous. We'll get into that over the course of the rest of the week here, but the Ravens do their job. They beat one of the best teams in the NFC in week seven and move their record to five and two and continue to stay atop that AFC North. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much again for tuning in and for all the support. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content, so be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.